0: Welcome.
1: Benvenuti. Hola.
0: Bienvenido. Welcome to the A Fire podcast now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson.
2: Is this the right thing to do? It's a good question to ask, but do we ask it enough? And instead, do we start too often with what's the easiest or safest thing to do? Ethics. It's a subject discussed in universities and business schools and alluded to in mission statements. But in a time of uncertainty and crisis, especially, it needs to be put front and center. I've asked El Rosenheim to be our guest today. He's the founder and CEO of Profimex in Tel Aviv, Israel. Right on the front page of his company website, before talking about investing or anything else, are the words honesty, integrity, and transparency. He speaks and writes frequently about the importance of ethics in business, and in investing. And he's the chair of the AFIRE Ethics Committee. So thank you, L, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Gunnar. And uh, you know, it's a a tough subject because, I mean, we live in different countries. We live in different uh, uh, environments and societies. And what is right in one place may be not right in another place. But I believe that ethics is something which is universal because ethics is something that it is to do the right thing and to do the right things all the time. I mean, have you ever seen a businessman that will write that we do not work in the transparent, we are dishonest, that we are not caring about our clients? Nobody said it. So everybody said, you know, I am honest. I work, you know, with full transparency. But the question is, what is the full transparency? Uh, And and here I can say, you know, with my gray hair, uh, I can say that I have um, walked through many valleys in my life and I had to make some very, very tough decisions. Actually, only today, only today, someone brought up uh, something in front of me. Uh, You know, if something goes bad, I mean, we manage other people's money. Um, If something doesn't go right, when is the point that you are in reporting it to the investors? I mean, let's go to someone who probably is going to end his life in, in prison, uh, Badoff. I mean, he got so many years. I mean, he doesn't have, doesn't have enough years to live to, to, to be free out of prison. But did he, when he started cheating people, did he decide to cheat people? Or he said, you know, I will cover up and next month I will fix it and everything will be okay. I don't think that he woke up one day and said, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to lie and I'm going to build on this team. It happened. It is something that is a slippery slope. And sometimes someone starts somewhere and he does not believe that he's going to lie. He said, you know, I'll cover it up next month. So here is an ethic decision that you have to do. If something goes bad, if there is some bad news to report, do you wait and say, you know, I will wait a week, maybe things are going to be okay, and I don't have to report the bad things, or you have to make a decision and to report it immediately with all the consequences out of it. And there's one decision that I made, I mean, good news can wait. Bad news, bad news, You have to report immediately. There's only one exception, and that's because, you know, our weekend, our Sabbath, I never tell bad news on Friday. I mean, Friday I can say, you know, I'll wait until Sunday to tell the bad news if there is a bad news. And, yes, you know, we are investing globally now for 25 years, and we had some bad investments, and we had some, you know, that our local partner called us and said, you know, else, there is some bad news. We lost an important tenant. One tenant, you know, went bankrupt. And, you know, we I don't know how much time it's going to be until we find a new tenant. And, oh, we have a covenant with the banks that, you know, the bank may force us to bring more money. And one decision that I made, I make these reports immediately. I don't wait. And that's, I think, a part of being honest and and. and transparent is bad news report immediately again the only exception is i'm trying not to put the burden of people on the sabbath it's a
2: cannot. anyhow nobody can
1: do anything to to cure it during, uh, during a short weekend that
2: we have how can you make the practice of ethics universal how do you translate it to the culture of your company and and encourage uh, a similar thought process for your employees and your partners.
1: I think that the most important thing you can—I don't think you can teach it. I think the only way is to to manage by example, or as we say, um, manage manage by wandering around. I mean, people should see how you act and how you behave, and they will follow you. Because, you know, it is a story which I remember for many, many years, Uh, a parent, a mother told me, you know, they were on a bus, and it was tens of years before, and her child, you know, a kid, I think when he's 13 or 12, I don't remember what is the age um, that you pay as a child, or you can go on a bus for free, I don't remember exactly, but she said to the child, I mean, don't say you're 12, don't say you're 10, I don't remember exactly. And I remember telling her, "I mean, this is a wrong. This is uh, you cannot educate children. To be honest, if they have seen that you told them to do something which is wrong, you are not allowed to do it." And she said, "You know, you're right. I should have but I remember the, the, the story from many, many years ago. So, because if people that work for you or with you and see that you do something which is wrong, then the worst thing is if you tell people that you shouldn't do it and you do it. it means if, uh, uh, how do you say, walk the walk or talk the walk or whatever. walks If you say people don't do, but you do it, it's even worse than if you don't preach people that they should act honestly. So I would say number one is that they will see that you are, you don't get even close to the gray line. You stick to the white line. I mean, you stick to be always right. Even if you cost you money, even if you cost if, if if it is a burden on you and you get some kind of a, a disturbance and disruption of your business but i would say that the most important thing the most important thing is to show a good example how to act
2: so how do you approach the Difficult and uh, perhaps even dangerous uh, acts of ethics of calling it out when you see it, of changing your own behaviors and, and calling it out within yourself in front of people. I mean, we're all afraid; we're all protecting ourselves. How do you, how do you approach that? I think
1: that I disregard the consequences, the consequences on myself, if I think that you have to do the right thing, which means, you know, there is nobody in Israel. I, have you ever seen someone who is proud that he was sued by someone else? I'm proud that I've been sued a few times, a few times, of defamation. I mean, the first time, I was sued 10 million shekels. Nobody in Israel was ever sued on such an amount of money. 10 million shekels, one of the GPs that we invested with them, I'm talking about 2000, 2000, 2003, I reported to the investor that I caught that he did something wrong, really wrong. And I reported it to the investor. And he, to, to frighten me, uh, went to the Israeli court and sued me for 10 million shekels. And, you know, I'm very proud about it. Not only that I won, he had to pay me a lot of money for legal costs, which he never paid uh, because he went bankrupt. But, uh, 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 and, you know, thank God, thank God, that to tell the truth is also an option. Unfortunately, it's not a necessity, it's not mandatory, and a lot of people do not tell the truth. So answering your question, this happened to me like 15 years ago, but I will continue telling the truth, knowing that I may have to pay the consequences, because I believe that it is our responsibility to tell the truth, to report the truth, regardless on the consequences that it will carry on.
2: Is there an end point to all this, to creating a more ethical culture, a point where you and your partners and your company can say, okay, all done, I'm I'm ethical now, Uh, or is this something that's more of an ongoing journey?
1: I think it, it is an endless story. I had once someone who was our marketing director when we were still a computer company, Uh, Then he became um, a general manager of one of the large communication companies. And he tells me, I mean, we're very friends since then. And he calls me from time to time. And he said to me once, you know, whenever I have an ethical question, I'm calling you to find out, you know, I became almost like his his rabbi. I mean, to call to find out what is the right thing to do in in this ethical world. And again, he worked for me for many years and he saw how how I made decision. And it is so difficult many times to do an ethical decision because, some, because many times it's going to cost you money, it's going to cost you business, and, it, and you may be hurt. The bottom line may be hurt. But I think that, you know, I believe that if you work ethically, long term, it pays off. And I don't do it. I don't don't act ethically because I believe that long-term it's going to to pay off. That's how I was brought up. I mean, I have some stories. I mean, from childhood, I remember once. I I was maybe, I was a child. It was before my bar mitzvah. I think it was maybe 10, 11. I don't remember. We went, I lived at that time near Haifa, up north. And my father and I went to visit some relatives of us in Naharia, which is like 21 kilometers north where we live, and we stayed longer. So we went to a public telephone to call. Uh, my mother to say that we are going to be later, late coming back, you know. And we went to the public phone and my father put the money in. And when we finished the call, he hung up the, the receiver, and a lot of money fell down into the, you know, so my father took the money, and he took all the money and said, tomorrow we are going to go to the post office to give back this money. I was a young, and he took me the next day. After school, I remember, he said, and we went to the post. At that time, you remember all Europe was PPP, post, TTT, telephone, telephone, post, uh, and something that was, like the telephone and the post was one organization in Europe and also in Israel. So we went to the post office where we live in the afternoon, and my father took me with me. I think it was a message that he wanted to teach me. He did not go and bring it back. He took me with me, and we went and we said, "You know, this happened to, uh, to us yesterday in area. This money came back. We want to pay it back to the, to the post office. Now being a bit. Uh, more cynical, you know, I don't know if the guy who got the money gave it to the post office or he kept it for himself. <laughs> I don't know. But I I, I knew that, you know, that's how I was brought up. And another story that I read in books. My grand-grandfather was a very, very famous, I mean, a scholar. And people asked him questions. And Whenever he gave someone a letter to give to someone else, he didn't send it by the post. He said, "You know, here's my answer." And it's like a hand delivery with someone that went from uh, from from Frankfurt to Berlin, and he gave him the the envelope and he said, "Here is my my response." He took a stamp and ripped it. He took a stamp and ripped it. He said, "Because if you do not use the post service and you give someone else the envelope to give, you are stealing the money." from 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 the organization that that's their job. So he took a stamp and ripped it. So it's probably in the DNA of, of my family that you know this is this is an ethical, this is an ethical action. Who does things like that? I mean, you know, you think that you give an envelope to someone. by this you're stealing money from the post office, etc that, their job to do this
2: l i I think every time I talk to you, uh, there's another layer of, of depth in terms of ethics and the meaning of ethics. This conversation is one that I think will go on for a while. Uh, let's take a break here, uh, and we'll finish off this, uh, this official podcast, and then we'll start up again in part two. So everyone who's listening to this, I, I very much encourage you to tune in again to the second episode of this podcast to hear more about how L is using his ethical guidelines to help him through times of crisis.
0: visit afire.org slash podcast.